Well, good morning again, and happy Easter to you from our family. If you're tuning in for the first time today, we're especially glad you're here, or maybe for the first time in a little while. We are excited about the opportunity to reconnect with you and really to share a message of hope today. That's what today is all about. In fact, the scripture will teach us as we dive in here in just a moment that we get to celebrate a living hope. We worship a Savior who is alive, and because of that, our hope is alive, and we celebrate that today. And you know, we need some good news today, don't you agree? I mean, we are living in some crazy times. I dare say uh, that this is unlike any time that I have experienced in my lifetime, and that we need a message of hope more today than in any other time in my lifetime. We all know the pandemic that we're dealing with and the impact that that's had in so many different areas. We know the impact that that's had upon just physical health, the numbers of people that have been ill. Um, Worldwide, it's now over 1.7 million people that have been confirmed to have coronavirus. I'm sure there are many more than that unconfirmed. Uh, We have exceeded um, about 105,000, over 105,000 deaths Worldwide, And if you just take that right here in the United States and look at where we are, we are now over a half million confirmed cases and over 20,000 people have died as a result of this pandemic. And uh, in fact, the U.S. just recently surpassed uh, Italy as the most number of deaths, not the most per capita, uh, but the highest number of both cases by about four times as as much as anybody else. And deaths as well. And so at a time like that, it can create a lot of uncertainty. And then you add on top of that uh, issues with unemployment. In the month of March, the unemployment numbers rose by about 1.35 million. And then the first week of April, there were 6.6 million people, just the first week of April alone, that filed for unemployment or attempted to. I know that's been a challenge for those of you that are trying to do that even now. Um, So there's that bit of uncertainty. Those that do have work, many of them are working in places where they are putting themselves at great risk. I pray often and think often about those in situations like that. Medical professionals, for example, that are constantly in contact with people who are very sick. Uh, We had a doctor's appointment this past week, and it was a virtual appointment. And we were communicating with one of Autumn's doctors, and she said that most of the patients that she is dealing with right now are COVID patients. And so I know that's the case with a lot of medical people and just the risk that has. She has twin, uh, twins at home that I think are about three, four years old. And not just them, but first responders are in the same boat where they're out interacting with people and the nature of their job often requires them to have to come into close contact with people. Uh, and so I know many first responders that are even questioning, should I go home at all? Because they're concerned about unknowingly Uh, being infected and passing that on to family members. Then then you have people that are uh, working in jobs like grocery stores where they are providing an essential service, but they're coming into contact with people. The folks that are stocking the shelves within those stores. Uh, We have people that, uh, that are driving the trucks, that are delivering to the store. I mean, so many, the list could just go on and on and on of those that are working, but are putting themselves at great risk because of doing that, and that creates uncertainty. Then you have those that are able to shelter from home, whether that means that they're working or not, and they may be at less risk of contracting the disease, but they may be at greater risk of having a mental breakdown 
Because when you are home all day, every day, especially if you have young children in the house, I think about people that I know, for example, that are where, where both parents are teachers, and then they have kids in the home, young children in the home, that they're trying to homeschool their kids, they're trying to do lessons online, uh, and, and it's difficult, it's challenging to do those kinds of things. And especially for those that may have underlying stress, whether that's stress in a marriage, whether that is an addiction issue, mental health issues, um, it's a difficult time. And for those that are working from home, I know of one family, for example, where there are three children uh, that are college age and older, and the two, uh, the mom and the dad, they're both working from home, and all three kids need a place to set up. And they said, we just kind of put a different table in every room, and everybody's just creating these makeshift environments, work environments. It's a stressful, stressful time. And so at a time like this, more than any other, I think we need to be reminded that there is a message of hope. So let's go to God's Word and find out what that hope is. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. On this Easter Sunday, when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, I love this reminder that it is this new hope that we have comes through the resurrection of Jesus. And it says that, that we have that and we are given this new hope. And it, and it says, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And it talks in verse 3 even about the new birth that we have as a result of the resurrection of Christ. I love that image. I love that analogy of new birth. Jesus used that, obviously, in John chapter 3 when he was talking uh, with Nicodemus and he told him that you must be born again. But it's this idea that you have to start fresh. And, and when he was questioned on that, he said, what are you talking about? Do I enter into my mother's womb to be born again? He said, no, obviously he was talking about a spiritual birth. Not another physical birth, but a spiritual birth. But I love that because it says that we have to go from, from not having life to having life. When you are born, you have new life. And the Bible t- makes it very clear that we are spiritually dead apart from the new life that we have in Christ. But verse 3 also tells us that God in his great mercy has given us this new birth. God's great mercy. You see, if we got, if you and I got what our sins deserve, then that would be the wrath of God. That would be eternal separation from God. You know, I can joke about my sin. I can excuse my sin. I can come up with all kinds of things, but the reality is that my sin is horrendous before God. And yours is too. And what we deserve as a result of that is anything but mercy. What we deserve is God's wrath. But in His great mercy, through the resurrection of Jesus, we have been given new life. We've been given this this new birth. And we have a living hope 
Because we serve a living Savior, we have a living hope. Our hope is alive because Christ is alive. So this morning, let's explore that just a little bit further. What does it mean for us to have a living hope? In verse 4, it talks about the inheritance that we have and and, and the, the fact that our inheritance is secure. And that's the first thing that I want you to see today. Having a living hope means that our inheritance is secure. There's not a whole lot that feels very secure anymore, is there? Think about an inheritance. Let's say that you were left an inheritance, and that inheritance was invested in the stock market at the beginning of the month of March. If you were left an inheritance that was worth $100,000, and then you had to cash in that inheritance at the end of March, you would have lost about $30,000 of that value because of the stock market. Now, I know things have kind of started to turn around in a more positive direction again, which is a wonderful thing, but you just never know. We've been reminded of that, right? If our inheritance or our future, we're depending on something that can go up and down, it's not very secure. The same thing is true of other things that can be inherited. Property that can be inherited, you never know what's going to happen to property values. You don't know what's going to happen to things like um, precious jewels, you know, jewelry that could be inherited. Uh, We just don't know. The things that we have that can be passed on from one generation to the other, those things don't last. And there's no guarantee that they will continue to hold their value. But the scripture tells us this morning that the inheritance that we have in heaven is secure. It's secure. In fact, I love the way it's phrased in the English Standard Version of the Bible. In verse 4, it says, To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Let's, let's just dive into those three descriptions of this inheritance that we have. First of all, it says that it is imperishable. And I love that because it reminds us that what we have that is waiting for us, it will never perish. It's going to be there forever. Heaven will never go away. Isn't that an amazing thought to think about when we enter the presence of God, we will stay in the presence of God forever. There is no end to it. The next word that he uses is the word undefiled. Undefiled. That's a Greek word that is used only three other times in the New Testament. Let me tell you what those three were. Hebrews 7.26 describes Jesus as our great high priest who is undefiled. And then later in the book of Hebrews again, uh, chapter 13, verse 4, it says that the marriage bed should be kept undefiled. And then in James 1, 27, it says that religion that is pure and undefiled is to take care of the widows and orphans. In all three of those cases, in addition to the, the case that we just read in 1 Peter 1, the meaning of that word undefiled obviously means completely pure. So when when the scripture says that that our inheritance is kept in heaven undefiled, it means that there will be nothing impure in heaven. Now that, on the one hand, is really, really good news. Because that means that there is nothing, there's going to be no coronavirus in heaven. There's going to be nothing impure. There, There will be nothing that our eyes will see that will be impure. There will be nothing that our ears will hear that will be offensive in heaven. Everything will be completely pure. Don't you, man, don't, aren't you ready for that? Don't you just look forward to that day where all the impurities are completely gone? It's good news in that respect. But here's the flip side to that. We said a moment ago that you and I, we fall short on our own. We are sinful. That means that we're impure. 
And if nothing impure is allowed in heaven, what does that mean for us? Well, it means that on our own, we're out of luck. It means that we could never be good enough. We could never be pure enough to meet God's standard because God's standard is perfection. But through the cross, through Jesus' death on our behalf, and then through the resurrection, which was his way of proving that he really defeated sin and has power and victory over sin and is able to extend the same to us through that, then we can have this inheritance. It's the only way that we can get there is through Christ. And then the third word that he uses to describe it is the word unfading. Unfading. You know, over time, everything in this world fades over time. We just recently, my wife Sean just recently replaced some uh, curtains in our kitchen. And they had faded. We've been in the house for about 16 years now. And over time, especially when things are exposed to elements and sunlight, that's what happens, right? Things fade over time. But isn't it remarkable to think that the inheritance that we have in heaven is an unfading inheritance. You know that the, from the day that we get to heaven, and you fast forward one billion years past that time, nothing will have ever faded. It doesn't fade away. I mean, that's amazing. And, and, and to know that we have that security, that God um, gives that to us, and that He provides that for us is remarkable. Now, I know that many of us, are so consumed right now by what's going on. We're so consumed by the day-to-day. I was listening to a radio station this week, and, and uh, one of the, the people on the radio said, hey, I'm just trying to make it through today. I'm just trying to get to tomorrow. And I know that's where a lot of people are. But even at a time like this, and at a time when we struggle, it's important for us to be reminded that there is a bigger picture. There is more to what's going on than just what we are struggling with right now. There are actually more important things that we need to be thinking about. And sometimes we just need another perspective. You know, sometimes we need somebody else, or, or even through the Scripture it does that for us, but to help pull us back and give us a little bit broader picture of what is really important and what's really going on. This past Wednesday, uh, Stephen, Paulette, and I, uh, and my wife, Sean, were, had the opportunity to do a little marriage webinar, and we really enjoyed doing that. But one of the things I mentioned as we were wrapping up was the importance of, of being willing to reach out for help in a marriage and anything else really in life. It's important for us to reach out for help. And I shared an example of that. Uh, earlier in our marriage, Sean and I went through a, a very difficult patch and we reached out to a godly couple and they just had such a meaningful impact on our lives and really helped us through that season. But I remember one of the things that they told us, right in the middle of some of the tension that we were trying to work through and the struggles that we were having, they said, you know what, you're going to look back on this And you're going to find out that your marriage is stronger because of what you're going through right now. Now, at the time, that didn't really seem uh, possible. Because when you're right in the middle of it, sometimes it's hard to see the bigger picture. What they said was absolutely true. Sometimes we need someone who's not tangled up in the weeds to come alongside us and say, Hey, look, here's the bigger picture. And we need to be reminded, even in a time uh, like the time that we are in right now, Number one, this isn't going to last forever. You know, we are going to come out of this and we are going to recover from this. But even when we do, we're still going to have the same stresses. We're still going to have a lot of the same struggles. We're still going to have a lot of the the same internal battles that we fight. And we're still desperately going to need to know that our eternity is secure. Sometimes we need to take our, our focus off of just right now 
and get a little bit bigger picture of, of what really matters. And then in verse 5, we see another reason for that security because it tells us there that, that our faith is being shielded by God's power. It says, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. God's power can shield and protect our faith until the point that we receive this salvation that, that God offers. Uh, at least the, the ultimate gift of that. We begin to experience that now at the point that we trust in Christ. But, but here we're talking about this inheritance that we have waiting for us. And it says that God can shield us until that time. And that's encouraging as well because it tells me that God is never going to go back on his offer. You ever, you ever agree to something with somebody? You make plans with somebody, this is what we're going to do, and then they back out on you? It's frustrating, right? Or you agree you're going to go in together on something and purchase something, and then they, yeah, they said, no, I'm no longer in. It's difficult when you, when you don't know if you can depend on something to happen as you intend for it to happen. The Bible tells us that God holds our salvation secure. And that at the point that we really trust in Christ, at the point that we are reborn, as it says in verse 3, when we experience new birth in Christ, in the book of Ephesians, it tells us that we are marked in Him with the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. You see, when we are really born into the family of God, that is permanent. And God is the one who protects that faith to make sure that it happens. Now, here's what can happen. What can happen is that we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're part of the family of God just because we believe certain information about Jesus. And I wonder if that might be the case for somebody watching right now. You know the right information and you've convinced yourself that everything's okay, but you've never truly been born again. You've never truly come to a point of trusting in Christ. And if that's the case for you, and I want to invite you today to give your heart to Christ. And we'll talk about what that looks like in just a moment. But it's important for us to know that we can have this new birth and new life in Christ. And then verse 6 says that because of that, we're able to rejoice, that we don't have to live in fear. You know, what, what's going to happen? What does the future hold? We have great confidence. We have great joy that comes from that. But he does also acknowledge something in verse 6. He says, now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Here's the second thing that having a living hope means for us. It means that we can find purpose in the pain. We can find purpose in the pain. You ever just want an answer for the reason behind the difficulties that you're going through? You ever struggle to, to understand why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why are we in the midst of a pandemic right now? Why are people dying? Why is all this happening around us? And we may not get a specific pinpoint answer, but, but listen to what verse 7 says. Verse 7 really does give us an answer. As we go through the trials and lives that, in our lives that we go through, it says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. In other words, God is purifying our faith through the trials that we go through so that we can give Him greater praise and greater honor. See, here's the thing. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus, God never wastes a trial in our lives. He never wastes a painful experience in our lives. They all have purpose behind them, and that purpose is so that our faith can be refined. Now, sometimes if you're like me, you just want to say, enough already. The fire is just too hot. Can I get a break here? God, enough. But God knows what he's doing, and he has a 
purpose behind it. Here's something I want to encourage you to remember. Just because it's a cloudy day doesn't mean the sun has stopped shining. When I woke up this morning, I woke up to thunderstorms and lightning, and it was a mess outside for a while this morning. We've had a lot of cloudy days recently. Just recently, we've had a few sunny days, and everybody's outside, right, enjoying the sun. We've had a lot of cloudy, rainy, stormy days lately. But do you think the sun stops putting out its light just because we're having a stormy day? That's a ridiculous thought, right? After all, the sun does have an efficacy of 93 lumens per watt of radiant flux, which works out to about 98,000 lux of visible light per square meter. You know what that means? If you do, would you please tell me? Because I just read that off the internet. I have absolutely no idea what it means. But I do know this. The sun shines very brightly. The sun puts out a whole lot of light. Whether it's a cloudy day, whether it's a stormy day, whether it's daytime, whether it's nighttime, and we're not receiving it. You see, just because we're not experiencing the light of the sun doesn't mean the sun stops shining. And as you and I go through those stormy periods of life, it may feel like we're not receiving the love of God, the goodness of God. But let me tell you, God's goodness and God's love, they continue to shine. God continues to put those things out there. Just because I don't experience it for a season in my life or for a period of time doesn't mean that God is not still good and still loving. He is. And sometimes He is doing things behind the scenes that we don't see. So, I, man, I just want to encourage you today. Be encouraged to know that if you are walking through a dark period, and I think to a certain degree every single one of us is right now, but if you're walking through a dark period in your life, to know that there is purpose in that. That God is doing something significant through that. You know, one of the things that I think is important to do, especially on the cloudy days, is to look for little rays of sunshine that might come peeking through. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do right now is to look for ways that you see God working, even in the midst of the storm that we are in right now. And we've all heard the stories. We see a lot of them. I mean, you see the stories of you know, people showing up in hospital parking lots and having worship services. And you see the hospital personnel on rooftops and looking out. Uh, you know, those kinds of things. People are getting creative, figuring out ways to encourage folks. I learned just this week, and maybe you saw the story, that Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO and co-founder of Twitter and Square, said he plans to donate $1 billion to attempt to find a cure for coronavirus. We're encouraged when we hear those kinds of stories. There was a math teacher in Maryland who ran 102 miles in 21 hours in order to raise money for a local food bank. There's an inspiring video of a firefighter in Rio de Janeiro who used the fire ladder. He climbed 150 feet up on top of this fire ladder and then he proceeded to give a trumpet concert to a whole group of residents that were in apartments, multi, multi-level apartments, and they would come out to their, their balconies and just listen to this guy playing the trumpet. And it, it inspired them. When they finished, they just broke into this raucous applause. And I think the reason is because they found some hope that they were not expecting to find that day. See, that's what we need more than anything else. We need to rediscover hope, a living hope, the Bible tells us, that comes through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 
The empty tomb tells us that the story isn't over when we think it's over. That God is capable of so much more. It tells us that there is hope when everything seems impossible. And I want to encourage you in that today to know that because the tomb is empty, you can have a living hope. And that's what we so desperately need. So here's what I want to encourage you to do right now. If you got one of the packets that we were distributing or somebody dropped one for you, inside that packet is a stone of some sort, and there's also a marker in there. And what I want to encourage you to do is to grab that stone and grab that marker. And if you don't have one of those, then go get a a sticky note from somewhere in your house and get a pen or a marker because I want you to participate as well. So I'll give you just a minute to go find one of those or find this if you don't have it right there with you. And let me explain what we're going to do with this while you're taking a minute to grab those items. This stone is a visible symbol of the stone that was rolled away from the front of the tomb on that Easter morning. The Bible tells us that when the women went to anoint Jesus' body, they went looking for the tomb and they found that this massive stone had been rolled away and the tomb was empty. The tomb was empty because Jesus was alive. And because Jesus was alive, they were introduced to a living hope. And so this is going to become our symbol of the hope that we have in Christ. Whether it's the rock, your sticky note, whatever you may be using, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your marker or your pen whatever you're writing on, and I'll just simply want you to write the word hope on there. So I'm going to do that even as we talk here. Write it on there nice and big as as much as you can so that it really stands out. A little bit hard sometimes to write on the rock, but we'll do the best we can. There we go. Hope. And and you can take it and do more with it later if you want. You can decorate it. You can get creative, however you want to do it. But I want you to keep this stone that represents the stone that was rolled away from the tomb. And I want you to put it, or I want you to take your sticky note that you got, and I want you to put it in a prominent place in your home so that you come back to it and you see it regularly. And every time you see it, you're reminded that we have a living hope because we serve a living Savior. You see, that's what Easter is all about. It's all about hope because the tomb is empty. Let's pray together. Lord, today I do pray that you would provide hope in every single heart. Lord, we know that that living hope comes only through Christ. It comes only through the resurrection. But we have that hope and I pray that we, we lean into that and we trust in you today. And that we give ourselves fully over to you in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.